Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Matt Mitchell, the running editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so on this week's episode, I had trail and ultra runner Alex Nichols on the show to catch up on how his summer is going. Alex snagged an eighth place finish at Western States back in June, a few months after coming in second place at the USATF 100 Mile National Road Championships. So I was really curious to hear what he learned from each race. Then we jumped into a really fun conversation about his days running with Anton Kapichka as teammates at Colorado College, how that led to a career in trail running, and what he attributes his longevity in the sport to. We also spend a good deal of time talking about coaching. Alex was named the head cross country coach at his alma mater, Colorado College, last year. So I asked him about how his first full season went, what the D3 cross country recruiting trail is like, and how his training has shifted since taking on coaching full time. And before we get into that chat, though, I do want to take a quick minute and encourage you all to check out our Blister membership and all of the benefits it offers, including access to all of our flash reviews and deep dives, personalized gear recommendations to help you find the right pair of running shoes, discounts on a bunch of really sweet products we love, and a whole lot more. So check out our Blister membership via the link in the show notes. Okay, let's get right into my conversation with Alex Nichols. Alex, thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I wanted to start off by asking you about two races you've run this year. Um, The first being the 100-mile road championships you ran outside of Las Vegas in February, and the next being Western States. Um, How did did each of those go? Um, Well, yeah, I mean, obviously two very different races in terms of terrain and, like, how I approach them. Um, But I definitely... You know, the road championships was something new that I had just never done anything like that before. I've typically done more mountainous races and it kind of fit into my schedule as like something I knew I could make the trip out to do and I'm someone who likes to try new things. So yeah, I kind of went into it a little bit like a rookie um, (laughs) and I found out that, you know, even though it's flat and pavement, um, you still just have to respect the distance and So I kind of, (laughs) I didn't go out as fast as some people, but I went out a little too fast because it was just so easy to run fast when it's totally flat like that. Um, And then my quads just kind of like shut down on me, I think because it is that unrelenting surface. (laughs) Um, So I kind of shuffled it in for the last 20 miles, but um, still was like overall happy with it. It was a good experience. and, And like I said, good to try something new. How long was the course? Because I know it was like it was a looped course, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was like 1.1 miles, just over a mile, so 80-something laps. <laughs> oh, and man. Yeah, I mean, when I tell that to people, everyone freaks out, and they just can't believe that. Um, but in a lot of ways, it takes some of the trickiness of, like, trail racing out of the equation because you've got this perfect aid station every single, you know, like, eight to nine minutes. Um <laughs> And yeah, you gonna you just like get in a groove and there's a lot of other people doing the race. There was also like a 48 hour race going on. And so you kind of like get to know people out on the loop and <laughs> do your best to kind of take your mind off the situation. Where does your mind go when you're kind of like, you know, at mile like 60 
of a race like that that like doesn't well i don't know does it require a lot of like mental focus or can you kind of just like kind of daydream um i think especially in the middle portion of the race you can't think too hard about where you are in the race because it just becomes kind of depressing or overwhelming um but then once you get at least for me once i get past the like 100k mark then i can start to almost like count down it seems a lot more approachable when i can say to myself like all right 30 miles to go like that's not that far a marathon to go that's not that far and you just kind of find ways of uh, justifying the distance in your mind (laughs) what was your finishing time on that race I think it was uh, 1320, 13.30, something like that, um, which was okay. I was hoping to be under 13, um, but still, new experience and overall a good time. <laughs> Do you think you'd run another like road 100-miler again? It's, it's probably not on my agenda, uh, <laughs> especially something like that. I think if I was going to do anything, it would be, I don't know, like a race like Comrades where it's yeah, it's a road, but it's also kind of mountainous and, um, yeah, something like that would be kind of more intriguing to me. Which direction do you think you'd want to run comrades? That's a really good question. Um, I almost think at this point I'd rather do the downhill. Um, I used to be a pretty staunch uphill runner, uh, (laughs) and hated downhill running. But then as I kind of got more experience in trail running and, um, just mountain running in general, I developed to be a pretty solid downhill runner. So I think that's probably where I would excel the most right now. Have you been to South Africa before? No, never have. Yeah, I really want to go. It sounds like kind of like a trail running mecca. And then like Comrades obviously is like so historic. Yeah, yeah. And that ultra trail Cape Town looks pretty cool too. Lots of lots of exciting things there. <laughs> yeah. So let's move into Western States. Um, because I saw, I read on your your Instagram that uh, you finished 20 minutes faster than your time in 2017 in which you came in like second place. Um, how did your day play out? Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely learned a lot from, uh, my experience in 2021 where I got 10th and (laughs) that allowed me to come back this year, but it was, uh, not a good experience. I, I got roped into kind of running another person's race early on and and uh was just way ahead of the splits that were pretty aggressive already like i was trying to run like 15 15 on a good day and at one point i think i was over an hour ahead of those splits so it's just like yeah not not a good situation to be in and by the time i got to um coming out of the last canyon volcano canyon into forest hill uh i could tell that like my legs were just pretty much trashed and i still had 40 miles to go. Um, (laughs) So yeah, just having gone through that this year, my main goal was just to really make it to the halfway point or even past that feeling like, yes, I could finish, but I could finish strong. And that's like looking back to the first hundred mile race I ever did was run rabbit run. And my only goal, like going into that was just (laughs) The same thing, like make it to halfway, feeling like I could still run. And then that race ended up being one of my best 100-mile races, I think. Um, so, yeah, that was the main thing this year. And it just really ended up being a much better experience, especially later on. I still think I could have closed a little bit harder, and I lost a couple spots. Like, 
because it was just such a tight year. Um, and that was amazing to see that the top 10 runners were all within like 70 minutes of each other. Yeah, it's like a stark contrast from last year when I think the men's field got chewed up pretty badly. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't the only person to <laughs> run a poor race. <laughs> yeah, uh, so how does like recovery differ between a road 100 miler and like a, I don't know, I I will call Western states like a mountainous 100 miler because there is still like what, like 18,000 feet of climbing, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think people people see the profile and they see the downhill but um yeah you don't you don't notice the downhill when you're running it and the the first 30 miles or so of western states are very mountainous so i would totally call it a mountain race as well um (laughs) but but yeah i think um in terms of recovery i noticed just the sort of like muscle breakdown of the road 100 was far worse than I thought it would be. Um, and that was the biggest thing that I had trouble recovering from was like I mentioned, my quads were just totally destroyed. And this was like a course that, yeah, you had a little bit of a hill in each lap. And so to add it up to three or 4,000 feet over the hundred miles. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that surface is really kind of unrelenting. And then race like Western States, I was, definitely you know sore afterwards um but it was more of just an overall fatigue where i was still you know not feeling like basically feeling like i was in a fog for a week or two afterwards yeah i mean i imagine that running a road 100 miler like you're doing so much running you know like there's not really an excuse to like walk at all so you're stressing like the same kind of like muscles repeatedly um whereas you know, when you're, you're forced to hike a little bit more at a race like Western States, um, for sure. But I, (laughs) I, so I take it you weren't hitting up the strip after, uh, after your, your race in Vegas. No, (laughs) no, we actually had a flight home the very next morning. So I didn't really do any Vegas-y things, but yeah. (laughs) You had some of your, uh, your athletes crewing for you, right? Yeah, actually for both races. Um, but in Las Vegas, especially it happened to coincide with um, a break that we have at our school um, for three and a half days each month or so. Um, so the whole, well, not the whole cross country team came out, but probably most of them. I think there's like 20 of them. Um, so that was fun. Like they hung out for the first couple of hours and would cheer every single time I went by. <laughs> and then they went and kind of did their own thing, got their runs in, came back. And, and it was actually pretty cool. They, um, people started noticing that this was like a team and they were cheering for me. So then they were asking other crews were asking our team to cheer for their runner. So we had like (laughs) cheer for Joe over there and the whole team would go crazy. So I think it helped make some other people's races more fun too. Yeah. Some rambunctious college students out there heckling. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So before we get into more talk about like your coaching and stuff like that, uh, I do want to back up a little bit. Can you tell me a little bit more about your background, like where you grew up and stuff? Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm from uh, Minneapolis originally. Um, yeah, I started running kind of typical, like a little bit eighth grade and then more into ninth grade in high school. Um, I did a bunch of other sports growing up, um, primarily uh, like gymnastics and Alpine ski racing were kind of my two big things. Um, 
but did a, a lot of stuff and honestly kind of got burnt out on uh, especially gymnastics where it's like a huge time commitment at a young age. Um, so then, yeah, by the time I made it to high school, uh, I just kind of wanted to try something new. And my oldest brother had been on the cross-country running team, so decided to give that a try. <laughs> um, and was, I would say, not immediately super successful or anything like that, but I just enjoyed doing it. Um, and kind of, yeah, I got better through high school. Um, I wasn't like uh, one of the star athletes in the state or anything. Um, went to a pretty small high school too. So I, I kind of knew I wanted to run in college, but it wasn't a huge priority for me. Um, but uh, Colorado College, where I ended up attending, is a Division three school. Um, so a little bit less of a like a commitment to be an athlete first. And um, so I was able to, yeah, join the team and then kind of like from there get get more into running and, and trail running too because Colorado College is in Colorado Springs, which is the base of Pikes Peak. We have a bunch of other pretty amazing trails too besides Pikes Peak. Um, and then it kind of like went from there, I guess. What about like running prevented you from kind of getting like burnt out on it, like like alpine skiing, for instance, or like gymnastics? I think uh, I think a lot of it is like, it's, it's very much, uh, it's even more individualized than those sports where like, you know, I can just choose when I want to go run. I can choose where I want to go run and I can decide when I want to stop. Like I'm not trying to like learn a specific skill in gymnastics or, um, yeah, be like doing skiing drills over and over again. Um, I guess, yeah, it's more individualized and also I guess more freedom just in being able to do it whenever and wherever you want. So how did you end up at uh, Colorado College coming from like Minnesota? <laughs> um, it's kind of like uh, probably a lot of people. I, I always enjoyed the outdoors and it there's definitely a big outdoor culture at Colorado College and just sort of being a smaller school that you also get to have access to the mountains and like 14ers and all that great stuff. It was um, it, it, once I went for a run during a college visit, like on the trails in town, that was kind of what sold me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is like the recruitment process like for like a D3 school like that? Um, well for me, it was not too, uh, too official or anything. Um, I talked to the coach once or twice, but it wasn't a top priority for me. Like kind of the school itself was more of the priority. Um, and I think even now, like our our recruitment process is more more official than it used to be, but um, still, I think a lot of people end up running D three because they choose the school first, um, and I think that's an important part of it. I also ended up going to a small liberal arts school with a a big uh, like outdoor focus. I went to Whitman College, uh-huh. um, which yeah, it almost feels like they're like CC and Whitman are like sibling schools that. It, in some sense, but, uh, I know CC has a pretty interesting, like academic setup. Uh, can you maybe, um, give me some details behind that? Sure. Yeah. That's kind of what I was talking about with the Las Vegas trip. Um, we just have one class at a time and it's called the block plan. So you take this class, um, for about three hours a day 
and then um, the rest of the day you're just like free and three and a half weeks go by and you cover essentially the same amount of material you would as a semester class. Um, but since you're not taking any other classes, you just focus on that one thing. And then you get a little bit of a break and then you start your next class and you do eight total blocks in a school year. Do you enjoy that setup or did yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, it's pretty easy to just kind of like fall into the rhythm of the block plan, like both as a student and now as a coach here, it's like, the whole calendar revolves around blocks. Like we talk about which week of the block is it? You don't talk about like, Oh, it's September 15th. <laughs> um, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's super nice that everyone's on the same schedule. You go to class at the same time as all of your classmates. And so then you're free to go running at the same time. You're free on the same block breaks as all of your friends. And it, yeah, it's, I think more schools should do it. Honestly, <laughs> it's pretty nice. Yeah, I remember because I, I was thinking of applying to CC when I went through that process. And that's something that like really appealed to me. I just, for whatever reason, um, yeah, didn't want to go that far away from home. Um, what did you end up studying in college? Um, I was actually an English major uh, and an Asian studies minor. And then um, eventually went to grad school in like essentially sports coaching and psychology. So um, Another English major. All right. Oh, you too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What uh, What are some of your favorite books? It's always a tough question. I know. <laughs> that's. I hate getting asked because I'm like, well, I don't know, like whatever I'm reading currently kind of, but yeah. it changes so much. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite like classic books is East of Eden. I think that's a really amazing book. Yeah. Steinbeck. Steinbeck's yeah. great. Um, yeah. The Steinbeck Highway isn't too far for me, so I always get a, a kick out of out of driving on it. Okay. Um, yeah. What were some of your like interests in college? Um, honestly, it was like, for me, as I kind of mentioned before, it was like a, almost like an intro to the mountains. Um, cause I had gone camping and stuff in Minnesota, but I hadn't really gone into like big mountains and done like backpacking and stuff. Um, so pretty much as, as many opportunities I could, as I could get, I would just like head to the, especially like the Sawatch range um, that like Leadville 100 goes through. And um, that whole area is really not too far from campus. And it was just really cool to be able to go like do a long trail run, do a 14er and like just pack in as much of that as possible. <laughs> Does, so that like proximity to the mountains kind of informs the like track and field program pretty heavily uh in some ways yeah i mean it's a balance between i still like the coaching that i do now it's like i need to be specific to you know track 5k or something like that but um having enjoyed what i did in college here now i try to implement that as much as i can um so yeah weekend long runs we we get vans and like head closer to the mountains um try to show people those trails that really made such a big impact on me when I was their age. What was your own, uh, I guess, tenure like running in college? I mean, we had a, we had a pretty big class that I came in with. Um, and we really, I guess, sort of, in a way, we like sort of ended up coaching ourselves, which was not always the best thing. But I think we learned a lot in the process of, you know, trying to run 
120 miles a week to see what happens or <laughs> um yeah one of my teammates did like he doubled every single day of the week and <laughs> so he was running 14 times a week and it's like all right maybe looking back on that it wasn't the best thing but i think we learned a lot and then we all just kind of pushed each other to be to be better um and then yeah and then it ended up having um myself being all american and my teammate as well and yeah, it was, I think we're still the highest placing team at nationals in Colorado College history, which will hopefully change soon. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys kind of known for like higher mileage or did, was that just kind of like a function of <laughs> of you each push, pushing each other? Yeah, I think that was just a function of, of the people because, um, yeah, my teammates and I doing whatever we could to be a little bit better and then... Uh, some upperclassmen as well i mean like that's the big thing is like a lot of our influence when we were first years was from the upperclassmen and uh anton Kropichko was a senior when i was a freshman and like he was doing 200 miles a week so it's like well we could do 100 miles a week like that's not very much <laughs> yeah i uh i know you made um that film about him in college right yeah yeah just as i was uh finishing up college yeah what was it called indulgence it's, i think it's a still on youtube it's a great watch yeah yeah i think uh i actually don't even know who uploaded it i should probably figure that out um but yeah it was interesting to look back on because i think it was like one of the first sort of uh sort of ultra running productions or any sort of like digital media of any sort at that time what kind of inspired it where you're like, Tony's just an interesting guy. Like, let's see if we can kind of weave a narrative around him. Yeah, that's kind of what it came down to. Um, the My kind of co-producer, Brennan Galloway, had, he had made a film about the Olympic trials 5K the year before. Um, and just kind of like following the stories of some of the contenders. That's called 5,000 Meters. It's also actually another very cool movie. Um, but yeah, we just like having like gone to school with Tony and gotten to know him. It's just like he is a very interesting personality as well as athlete. And it just seems obvious that we had to do something. <laughs> Did he kind of get you like more into, I guess, like the quote unquote, like professional trail running scene? Because I know you you crewed and paced him at, at Leadville a few times, right? Yeah. Yeah, when I was still in college, um, that was when he won his first lead bill, um, and we came out and helped crew him, um, and that was, yeah, definitely an introduction to that sort of stuff, and and then also that summer, I ran the Pikes Peak Ascent, as well as like a local trail race, and that um, having placed well at the Pikes Peak Ascent without really having specific trail training, um, that sort of um i guess planted a seed of like maybe i could do this at a at a higher level and so then then the goal became to to make my first first world championship team because there was the u.s mountain running team that alternates uphill years and up down years so my goal was to try to make the uphill team um, and get a trip to race in Europe was like the big thing. <laughs> yeah, that's good incentive. Um, was this after college? Yeah, pretty much right afterwards. Um, switched into kind of those shorter distance mountain races. Uh, so stuff like 
Mount Washington Road Race, uh, the Vail Hill Climb was a pretty big deal at, at that point. Um, and then Pikes Peak Ascent was always like one of those big races on my calendar each year. Did you think that that was kind of your path after college? Like what else did you kind of want to aspire to? Um, I know like <laughs> I got a lot of shade when I uh, chose to major in English because everyone's like, what are you going to do with that? Like aside from like more school. Right. It was uh, the nice thing is that the indulgence movie was actually selling quite well. And so in a lot of ways, like that was my job, like shipping manager of indulgence. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, did the typical like worked at a running store. Um, I also worked at the Triple uh, A baseball team in town and their video production stuff. So for a while there, I was thinking I would kind of drift more into yeah film and video stuff. The free ticket to, to Italy or um, was it Italy uh, where they had that the uh, international the yeah, world team? I think one of the first times it was Italy. Eventually, when I did make that team, it was in Poland, which was kind of a surprise, but it was yeah. still, still pretty cool. Uh, and your first ultra was uh, the North Face 50, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. And that that was kind of uh, one of those first races that was like actually putting up professional level prize money and Matt Carpenter who lives in town has the Pikes Peak marathon record still to this day. He, he went out there a couple of times and I think the first time he played second, but then he ended up winning it. And so it was kind of like, you know, if Matt could do that, maybe I could win that too. <laughs> yeah. That race, uh, was in my backyard. Uh, unfortunately it no longer exists, but I remember like every year I'd, I'd ride my bike out and, uh, inspectate, and you're right. I think that was one of the first races to offer like $10,000 in prize money to the winner, which is like a good chunk of change, especially back then. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was nothing even really close to that at the time. What did you kind of learn from that race? Um, I think, I think I did realize like, you know, at that point it was still in the ultra world, at least this thing of like, yeah, like, 45 year old men going out there and like walk jogging a hundred miles. And then you get all of a sudden these people with collegiate track and field and cross country backgrounds, making a jump up in distance and actually racing. And so like people are running fast for 50 miles over significant elevation change. And that I think was kind of a result of that elevation and prize money. Um, and you had people like, I think that's when like Sage kind of started running more ultra stuff, like chucking up 50k, um, just things where all of a sudden it was like you could actually race these distances. And now, obviously, we're seeing that in stuff like Western states too. Right. I think there's a, a distinction between like running a hundred and racing a hundred, right. um, yeah. which is like more of a recent development. Um, what do you think about like the professionalization? of trail running, like coming from your entry into the sport? It has been interesting to see how things have changed over the years. Um, you know, it used to be people were psyched if they like got a shoe sponsor and got some free gear, things like that. And that was considered sponsored. Um, and now you've got multiple, like many athletes who are making this their full-time job, um, which I think is a good thing. My, I think my only gripe with it is that I wish it was more transparent. You know, it's this thing in the 
having gone through a couple of different sponsors, it's, it's really hard to figure out what, what your true value is. And when you're coming to the table without knowing what the guy next to you, who is maybe on a similar level as you is making, then it's like, that kind of hurts the athletes more than anybody because we can't band together to, to kind of get what we're worth. Right. And like that doesn't always reflect like ability. Like a lot of, a lot of that money comes in like how well you're able to market yourself. And it's like, I don't know, I think being like a, an elite athlete is like kind of hard enough in some respects. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually haven't heard that uh, point, but it does make sense. You know, you're training a lot, but I understand how the marketing side of things is important. It's, I think it should be kind of part of any professional athlete's job to help do what they can to promote their sponsor. Totally. Yeah. And you run for Scott and you have run for them for like quite a number of years now, right? Yeah, since uh, 2015, something like that. How did yeah. that partnership come about? Uh, it was... It, it was kind of a similar situation where I was realizing that I wasn't really valued um, the way I should be with my previous sponsor and uh, started kind of looking around. Um, I knew that they were making a push to get more back, more into the um, trail trail shoe stuff and and had full equipment. They didn't just make a like one pair of shoes or something like that. Um, and honestly, it was uh, the team manager, Martin Gaffuri, uh, who kind of, I knew him from a, a few different races and just knowing that he was the team manager and he kind of had this vision for the team made me uh, more excited to to go with them. Do you have a lot of input in their shoe design? I would say a decent amount um, since it is a relatively small department within Scott, but they have the resources of a very large company. Um, yeah, there's the shoe that I ran Western States in. I was able to to try out different variations of that as it was being produced and kind of you know give them my input and what I thought would be best. And, and so the final shoe that came out was something that I really think is a great shoe. And that's that bothers me when people are, running for a company and then they're like not actually using the gear like what are you doing (laughs) yeah like showing up to a starting line with like a shoe that's like spray painted black to cover like the the logo right yeah you should be with a company whose gear you believe in (laughs) yeah um i want to talk a little bit about coaching um starting with yourself because i know are you still self-coached yeah yeah i've never actually had a coach which is somewhat ironic (laughs) What is your own like coaching methodology um, when applied to yourself like? Um, like do you, I'm just curious like how you how you just like start coaching yourself like what was the first step? Was it just like I, I'm gonna go by feel or like I'm gonna read a bunch of books about coaching and like figure it out from there? I think when I when I was in college um, and when we were in that sort of like experimentation stage, I, I did do quite a bit of reading and like pretty much went through any sort of running resource I could get my hands on. Um, and that gave me a pretty good base of what makes sense and what doesn't. Um, and then there was a kind of a transition though, when I moved from road racing or collegiate races into more specific 
trail running stuff. Um, at first I was just kind of doing the same workouts I had always done and it didn't really make sense for the type of races I was doing. Um, and then I think that's, that's where kind of the experience of trying things out throughout the years and figuring out, out what works and what doesn't, um, has really paid off. And now, I mean, I, I approach my own training the way I would if I coach someone for their trail running race too. Like I sit down, I get my calendar out, I figure out key workouts, weekly volume, things like that. Um, and kind of go from there. So it's, it is intentional. It's not like I just jump out the door and decide the day of what I'm going to (laughs) do. Yeah. I think it just involves a lot of like holding yourself accountable. Um, which I think like the reason I got a coach was because I was just like doing way too much. And it's like finding that like someone to like hold you back. Um, have you ever had to like deal with that? I think uh, my biggest thing is trying to, as many runners, um, struggle with as well, just trying to listen to my body and, um, you know, that little, that little twinge today might not be a big deal, but in four days it might be a big deal. So being able to actually, um, you know, take a step back when you need to, it can be pretty tough when, when it's just yourself and you don't have someone kind of being the voice of reason. (laughs) Yeah. Have you dealt with any kind of major injuries? throughout your career or just kind of minor stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, I've gone through pretty much just with, like all of the typical running related injuries people have gone through. So, I mean, I kind of always have some lower leg injury stuff. Um, I've had plantar fasciitis, like on, on, yeah, IT band stuff, just things like that. I mean, not too many stress fractures or bone injuries. Um, that actually was more common for me when I was in college. Uh, I think because I was jumping up too quickly and doing too much too fast, but yeah, especially in the last four or five years, I've been able to keep things pretty minor. It's like one or two week setbacks at the most. Do you think that like your own self coaching has a lot to do with your longevity in the sport? Cause you've been, I don't know, you've been, performing at a super high level for what like since like 2007 or something yeah yeah it's kind of strange to think about that it's been that long yeah um (laughs) i kind of think i almost think that the longevity aspect is kind of planning out my season to have a few key races but not just jumping into race after race after race so that i i have these pretty big drops in training during certain parts of the year so it's not like I'm running 5,000 miles a year. I typically average like over the course of a full year, only like 60 miles, but there will be portions where I'm doing quite a bit, but then also portions where I'm doing quite a bit less. And I think that that's sort of uh, polarized training has been helpful. Yeah. So your, your running is kind of like organized around like an event rather than just kind of like something you try and do as much as you can. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been someone who's actually focused on competition, not just doing as much as possible every day. I want to talk a little bit about your uh, Pikes Peak Ascent streak, because uh, that's something that I've like I've followed and I get a kick out of. Um, can you describe that uh, for folks? Uh, yeah, I mean, at least once a month, every month, I go up and back down Pikes Peak, um, most of the time starting from Manitou. Uh, Manitou Springs, so that's like 
6,500 feet up to 14,000 and back down. Uh, occasionally I'll do a different route, but it's almost always like six or 7,000 feet of gain and loss. Um, so at least once per calendar month. So sometimes that's uh, the last day of the month, but I've managed to get them all in. <laughs> What's your streak at now? How many months? Oh, yeah. Uh, we're at over four and a half years. I think getting pretty close on to five years within the next couple of months, five complete years. That's incredible. Um, how did that start? Did, did you just kind of like look at your training and like, oh, I've been up Pike's Peak like six times in the last six months like is let's just keep the ball rolling it was actually the opposite um i had i'd had a pretty good summer of racing and then i looked at my training log and i realized that it was october or something and i hadn't gone up pike's peak during that entire year and to me that was just like what am i doing this huge mountain is right at my doorstep it's great to go travel and explore new places but having access and the ability to do that, I should take advantage of that. So then it was kind of had a good time doing it once, twice, and then decided, hey, I'll try to make it a year. Um, a friend of mine, Brandon Stepanowicz, was was doing it with me. And we both kind of, you know, suffered through those winter months together, <laughs> made it to the summer. And then it it was a year and I was like, well, might as well try two years. And it's kind of just gone from there. Is it something that you like do intentionally now as part of your training? Yeah, I I do plan it into um, like the build up to Western States, for example, um, or (laughs) the build up to that race in Las Vegas was mostly flat road running. And so then I had to figure out how to make it work in the month of February with a road 100 in the middle of February. So it ended up actually being uh, pretty soon after the race. And that was a, that was a tough one to have the hundred miles still in my legs and need to finish Pike's peak. <laughs> yeah. I got to imagine that also kind of holds you accountable because it forces you to be in shape like year round uh, in a sense. Right. Yeah. I think it's actually been very helpful for me to be at this level where I'm always going to, be able to summit Pikes Peak. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of times, let's say five or six months of the year, that's a, a seven hour day because of the weather. So being able to get out there for seven hours at just about any point has been, I think, really helpful for my overall training. Have you had any close calls up there? In terms of finishing or? <laughs> I guess both. Yeah. Like what was like the kind of like the craziest summit? There have been a couple of times when I've had to just like make some kind of sketchy choices going over like windblown snow and stuff like that. Like um, the routes I, I use don't really have any avalanche danger, but it'll just be like that rock hard windblown snow that's like super slippery. And if it's a little bit exposed and you don't have an axe or something like a slip could be uh, shooting down into some rocks. <laughs> so there have been a little bit of that, but I've been uh, smarter with my gear selection than I used to be. So there's less of that going on. <laughs> yeah, it's all in all in the reps, I guess. Right. Yeah. And understanding what what the top of the mountain is going to be like when you're just at the base looking up. That's been a big learning curve. I want to change tacks a little bit and talk about kind of what's currently taking up a ton of your time, um, which is coaching 
at uh, CC itself. Um, how did you end up as the head coach of their cross country program? Well, I was um, I was in town uh, working for the the baseball team that I had mentioned, um, and there was an opening for like a part time assistant, and I was you know occasionally running with the team anyway, and um, so I applied for that and was hired to be kind of like a 10 to 15 hour a week sort of person. Um, and that was actually in the fall of 2012. Um, and so that was kind of another nice way of, of really being able to focus on my own running, but then, um, kind of get involved with the team that way. And, and then it, it really kind of transitioned for me when I was able to take over coaching the women's distance program. Um, that really kind of me- made me realize how much I enjoyed it and how how rewarding it could be, just coaching as a vocation. <laughs> and uh, so then I kind of progressed from there, eventually became full-time, but still as an assistant coach. And then the longtime head coach retired and just like everybody else, I had to go through the search process for the um, head cross-country coach and was fortunate enough to be hired for that. So now that's um, a really good situation where I can uh, be the head cross-country coach and then also coach the distance runners during the track season. How many years have you uh, been the head coach? Uh, this is just going to be my second year starting this fall. So that all kind of happened last summer that I became the head coach and but now this fall is going to be my 10th year coaching. It's pretty crazy. How did your first full year go? It was very good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I brought a level of expectation to the team that we haven't had in the past and kind of a an urgency that we can be a really, really good team. And um, I think combined with just some consistent training and, and being focused on what they're doing, the team really responded well and... Um, yeah, we had a couple of All-Americans, and I mean, our teams were ranked nationally for the first time in 15 years. Um, so, yeah, looking to carry that momentum forward and being, especially the women's team this fall, like one of the best teams in the nation, hopefully. Are you in charge of recruiting and all that stuff, too? Yeah, yeah, it's all kind of, it's a jack-of-all-trades kind of job. So, yeah, do some recruiting. Um, I have really good help from our assistant coach, Mitch Black, he's also kind of on the recruiting trail with me. <laughs> What's that like? Are you just kind of traveling around? Fortunately, we don't have to travel too much because um, there's like national databases of high school performances and things like that. But right. um, yeah, just getting to know people on the phone and then um, having them visit campus, showing them around, like making connections with the team, hosting kind of recruit weekends where we have people come to campus. Um, I mean, that's that's the great thing about Colorado College. It's like once you get here, you realize really what it's all about. So that's our main goal: just get people to campus. Yeah, that's how they got you, right? Exactly. Yep. Uh, how has your own training shifted uh, since taking on coaching full time? It's been definitely uh, more difficult than it was in the past when I was part time, like without a doubt. Um, but it, I think, it just takes more focus on time management and um setting up my seasons to correspond with the with the school season so that's why the road 100 was in february because that's a low time of the year for us competitively and then western states 100 in the middle of the summer um 
and then occasionally I'll try to try to like squeeze smaller races in here or there but um it's definitely more of a more prioritizing the the school seasons than my own i get the sense that you're really good at planning <laughs> yeah that that's uh yeah a big part of my job right now and has uh helped me in the past for sure is being a couple steps ahead because you know in coaching something always goes wrong or like your plane gets delayed and like how are you going to get to the course and like if you can uh be ready for every possible scenario you're going to be better off <laughs> right or like your crew doesn't meet you at an aid station like what yeah. do you do right yeah yeah and also just being uh patient and I, i'm sure a lot of people who know me know that i'm pretty level-headed so that's i think been helpful both in running and in work as well so i didn't run collegiately but i have a lot of friends that did and when I talk to them about running, they're like, yeah, like I haven't run a step since I graduated college because like the program I was in just completely burned me out. Um, what kind of steps are you taking to make sure that like your athletes have a healthy relationship with running? I think that's that's like one of the saddest things to hear that you have people who are really enjoying running in college and then they just never run again. Um, so that's that's really, really high up on my priority list to help people enjoy running for the rest of their lives. Um, so that's, you know, that comes down to like minor things like not, not running through injuries and like not making the next race, the thing that defines you as a person, um, making sure that you can still enjoy running, even, even if it's not at the highest level of competition than you, that you thought you could be at. Um, and having that, that like long-term vision where you come in as a first year and like you have a goal for that year, but then you also have a goal for your fourth year and like you have a goal for after college. Um, and just keeping in mind that this can be a super great addition to your life for the rest of your life is just, yeah, something that I keep in mind all the time. And I think the athletes realize that too. I think that's where trail running comes in as well. Cause like, I feel like trail running has a, a way to like keep the novelty, you know, for sure. And yeah, you see so many people kind of transition to trail running after college. And I think it is nice that it kind of takes some of that pressure of running a specific half marathon time or marathon time out of the equation. And it just lets people go have fun, be outside. Um, and that's great. But if they can't, if they can no longer have fun outside because their college experience was so intense, then that's a, that's a huge problem. Um, as a coach, uh, where are you with your season right now? Right now we are, um, still a couple of weeks out from the start of the cross country season. Um, but you know, uh, we've been, I, I basically train them remotely throughout the summer. Um, we can't do official practices, um, but just stay in touch, you know, with technology. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so pretty soon we'll get back to campus. Um, yeah, we do a cross country, uh, training camp when people get back. So looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to following along with your team this year. I know a few athletes on it, so, uh, should be, should be good. Um, yeah, the last yeah. thing I wanted to hit was, uh, I know you're an avid beekeeper. Right. How did that yep. come about? <laughs> uh, I think that was probably my wife, Maddie. I mean, she, she really pushed us to get into it. Um, 
and it's it's been really fun. I mean, bees are pretty incredible animals. Yeah, was, I imagine there's a, a a painful learning curve. No, the bees get way too much of a, a bad name. I mean, they're for the most part they're very gentle. Like you have to really mess with them to to get them angry. So um, I've never once been stung. Um, you just have to be yeah gentle with them careful with what you're doing like the time of day you don't want to do it when they're the most active like when you need to inspect the hive and things like that but yeah they for the most part they kind of get by just by themselves i mean it's they've evolved into a pretty uh sophisticated little society and so we just kind of help them along do what they do nat- naturally i think i'm a little jaded because i was uh, riding my bike on a on a trail the other day and got stung in the face going like <laughs> 35 miles per hour and my face like swelled up to the size you know yeah well and i'm like, sure the bee probably didn't want to sting you just like you didn't no. want to be hit in the face by a bee <laughs> no it didn't want to ride either yeah um uh, what do you do with all the honey um I mean, we've kept most of it and we we're still pretty new to beekeeping so we're not producing a ton of honey um the bees need quite a bit of it to get through the winter so really you only get the ex- excess that they produce. Um, so last year was actually a really good year and that was our first summer with bees. Um, this year it's looking like they're not going to be quite as productive. So we'll see how much we end up getting, but we either keep it or like give it to family and stuff too. So what's yeah. your favorite way to use your honey? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess like the classic putting it in tea or something like that um but it is very cool to to consume the honey that you have helped develop (laughs) yeah cool um what is next for you this year um so racing wise uh i'm actually going to switzerland for the um matterhorn all tracks 50k that's coming up in just two weeks um which in full transparency i uh (laughs) I'm not feeling super prepared for. I've had a bit of an Achilles problem, but it'll be a good event. And that's a a Scott running event that they've put on for the last 10 years. So it's kind of a big team get together. Um, And then, yeah, we'll see. I'm signed up for Run Rabbit Run 100. That's middle of September. Um, I would really like to run there again, but it's going to be a balance between um, going back to the coaching stuff that that's getting into our season and We'll see how much training I can get done between now and then and kind of make the call once I get a little closer. That's another race with a huge prize purse. Right. Yeah, it's uh, definitely tempting to put it on the schedule (laughs) for that reason. But it's also really an amazing course. The Aspen's changing in Steamboat during that time of year. Really pretty incredible. Awesome. Well, Alex, thanks for talking with me. Yeah, no problem, Matt. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Alex for the conversation. Thanks to Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from everyone here at Blister, please take good care of yourself, keep moving forward, and we'll talk to you again next week.